come this morning to be encouraged and equipped in the Word because we want to have victory. Amen? By the way, is Bill Goggin here? Bill, are you here, coach? Bill has coached the Eureka girls soccer team for 127 years, I think. It seems like that to his wife, Wanda. Not really. But they won yesterday what? The state championship. Yeah. Now, I was going to have Bill stand up and say today, Bill, how did you feel about that? I'll tell you how he felt. He was doing this. Why? Because he finally got to the whole point of why he's been coaching all these years. He coaches to win. Right? I want you to know, when you got saved, sweethearts, you got saved to be a winner. You got saved to be a winner. You got saved. I'm your cheerleader today. You got saved to be a winner. But you know what? The devil is a dirty dog. He doesn't fight fair. He tempts you to sin, and as soon as you fall to it, he smears it in your face. It's called condemnation and shame. He's a dirty dog. By the way, he hates me, and I hate him. That's what we got going mutual. I know I'm in a war with him. He wants to rip me off, but I know Jesus has already taken the fangs out of his mouth. That's what it means. The, the resurrection took the stinger out of death. And that's why I want you to learn how to win. And the first base of winning is the whole point of your salvation. Get your antennas up like they've never been up. And say it with me. The whole point of you being a child of God is that you would be under His... Amen. You did that good. Wherever... Write this down on your message notes. Wherever you are not under His authority, you will lose. Wherever you are not under His authority, you will lose. Now what's lose? Well, I want you to know, I always preach first to you as a husband and a daddy. Everything I'm saying to you, just know I'm a husband and a daddy. Because if I'm not winning at home, in my marriage, and in my children, I'm a loser. It doesn't matter what else is going on, I want to win at home. And so let's say today that we go home and Ronnie and I have a disagreement. Now, ladies, you answer this question. When you get in a disagreement with your husband, what does every husband want to do? He wants to... Well, I thought you women would come on strong. I was trying to help you women. Every man, when he gets in a disagreement, he wants to win. The men know the answer. Maybe you're just afraid to answer in the presence of your man. The men know that answer. When I say to them, they all bark it out. We want to win. Because our sinful nature likes to win. But ladies, when your husband wins an argument with you, what happened? You just lost. Because when you got married, the two were supposed to be what? One. So what does the authority of God's Word say? When I get in a disagreement, the authority of God's Word says, be quick to listen. James 1. Be slow to wrath. 
See, every area of your life, I promise you, God has a word for you in how to live under his authority. But that leads us to the next thing. Is the Christian life hard? Well, we had mixed answers. The Christian life is not hard. It is impossible. That's why Jesus told his disciples, even after they were with him 24-7, see, some of you are still thinking the Christian life's hard because you failed a temptation this week and you had difficulty. Well, what if I was speaking this message today in Oklahoma where your house has been destroyed not once but twice in the last two weeks? And let's say you've come to church and I'm in Oklahoma. See, any message I preach here, I ought to preach around the world, right? If it's God's Word. And what if I said to you, is the Christian life hard? And they'd look at me and say, you better be guaranteed it's hard. Everything I've had has been destroyed. We've just gotten everything cleaned up, and then this tornado just blew everything around us back home. Yeah, it's hard. I'd say, no, it's not. It's not hard. It's impossible. Because if you're not clothed with the Spirit of God, that's what Jesus told his disciples. Don't you dare leave Jerusalem because I've seen you. You've been walking with me. You've been listening to me. You've been watching me. But every time any kind of difficulty or unexpected hardship comes, what do you do? You fall apart. You fear out. You run. You tuck your tail. You totally fail. So don't you dare leave Jerusalem, Luke 24, 49, until you are clothed with power. See, the Christian life's not hard. The Christian life is impossible. Everything that God tells us in his word, you say, well, I can do it for a little bit. We're not talking about a little bit. We're talking about 24-7, in season, out of season, staying faithful because you have learned to walk inch by inch, step by step, just like you've learned to breathe in and out. And you've learned to walk by the Holy Spirit's control upon your life. Everywhere where you fail, everywhere where we fail, I promise you, because we've chosen the one of two ways to live our life. Not by the Holy Spirit's control, but by our sinful nature. And that's why so many Christians, they never learn this truth. They get so discouraged, they get so frustrated, they finally quit. And we looked at that, Galatians 5, 16, 26. Now, when you're clothed with power from the Holy Spirit, how does the Bible tell us that we live the spiritual war? Because it is a war, not a playground. And the devil never fights fair. The Bible says we must fight it with divine weapons until you learn to live every moment of your life in the grid of this Word. That's what it means when God told Joshua, meditate on the Word of God day and night. Because if you don't meditate on the Word day and night, you will not be careful to obey it. And so you will ever fall to the things around you that are unexpected because you'll respond to them in your sinful flesh. That's where we learn, walk by the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Now, once we got to these four studies, I had several men come to me and say, Pastor, I'm just overwhelmed. I know everything you're teaching is right, but I'm brand new at this. And I know I've received Christ in my life, but I've lived so much of my life. Just, I do what I want to do. I do what my feelings say to do. I do what my circumstances dictate. I live out of the way I've lived by my past. I, I'm a creature by habit. 
and you need to just slow down. I just feel overwhelmed. And so that's where we did that study in week five of this study on grace and truth. Remember, we visited the woman, the Samaritan woman. She had five husbands. The man she was living with wasn't her husband. And yet we saw that Jesus came to her, and Jesus had to go to Samaria, where the Jews thought those people were just dirt. And he had to go there to say to this woman, I want you to know, I have water. And he was speaking of himself. He's the living water. That if you would drink of me, you would never thirst again. That is, I can transform your life. I can change your life. And how are our lives changed? By living by the truth of God's Word. See, many professing Christians have that time where they receive Christ, but they never come to understand by grace they were saved through faith, but now by grace they will live a transformed life as they learn to live by the truth of God's Word. Well, when you live by the truth of God's Word, we saw that you live with God's vision. That is, you see life from the Word of God. You don't see life from your past. You don't see life from your present. You don't even see life how others say it is. You see life from the perspective of God's Word. And we looked at the story of Joseph. Joseph was a 17-year-old young man. And we said every time from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50 that Joseph did right, what happened to him? Do you remember, students? What happened to Joseph when he went out to check on his brothers in the field as his dad told him to? That's honor and obeying your parents. What happened to him? Trouble in River City. I said wrongdoing. He did right and wrongdoing came. And his brothers were jealous of him and sold him. Well, then he was faithful to God and he's going with the Midianites. They put him on the slave block and he sold to Potiphar and he's being faithful to Potiphar. He's doing right. But then what happened? Trouble and wrong. Potiphar's wife likes him, tries to seduce him. He says no. One day he finally runs. Potiphar's wife gets mad, lies about him. Potiphar throws him back in prison. He's doing right, but wrong comes. Then he ministers to the, the guy that tasted, the cupbearer, the stuff before the king took it, the baker. And he says, remember me, but the baker gets beheaded. The cupbearer gets out, forgets about him. This goes on for 17 years. Now again, I want to encourage you that are going through trouble, and you've been going through trouble for a long time. You're not going to feel like a winner if you don't have the vision to see God better and first above anything else. And most Christians just live their life. For years I lived discouraged and defeated. I'd preach on victory on Sunday morning. Trouble would come into my life. Wrongdoing would come into my life. And I would find myself suffering in discouragement instead of victory. That's why I so want you to receive this message and live it and learn it. Because it's a miserable existence. To know the truth but not be set free by the truth. And what did Joseph say to his brothers that in Genesis 50? He said, you intended evil for me. But what? God brought it for good. And we saw that having vision to see God moves you in life that no matter what wrong comes in your life, you keep doing right because you know the God of right is going to make it right.
And that's where we said, you better know your story. Now, here is your story. Look down there. We've been working, and you're going to hear in just a minute Mike Coyne share his story. And everyone has a story before knowing Christ. That's how we all begin. And then we're hopefully in that process how we realize we need Christ in our life. The Bible tells us we can have a win. That is, we can be born again by the Spirit of God as we trust Christ's death, receive Christ's resurrection power in our lives. When we surrender our life to the Lordship of Christ, that's coming under His authority. And then we have a sense. And see, the reason why we're practicing telling our story, because if you don't know your story, the devil who's the father of all lies will tell you a bad story. And he'll tell you, you don't have hope. You don't have help. He'll tell you after you've fallen to temptation, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You ought to hide. You ought to be secretive about this. You can't trust anyone. You ought to be angry about this. And the devil will tell you all kinds of things. You better know your story, which is actually, by God's grace, God's story. Now, we're going to demonstrate this. Mike Coyne, come up here, buddy. He's going to model to you today, and I encourage you all, write your story out. And you're going to hear in Micah before a how, a when, and a since. This is my buddy. You're, you're rolling, buddy. Thank you. Good morning. Ooh, sorry about that. My name is Mike Coyne. Uh, I was born and raised here in St. Louis, um, actually a town in North County. And where I grew up, it wasn't what high school did you attend, it was what parish are you from. I was raised Catholic, it's everything I knew. And I went upon life practicing the Catholic faith. I graduated from high school, went to college, got my four-year degree, and out in the workforce right away. Um, was successful, worked my way up through management, was recruited away by another company, and was recruited away by a third company, and then about 10 years ago, we started my own business. Everything was fine. I had everything under control until about three years ago when my wife told me she wanted to leave the Catholic Church. Um, I was not happy about that. I was angry about that. And um, this went on for a couple years, and then a neighbor invited my old, oldest daughter, Jill, to attend Zoe. And I saw the joy it brought to my oldest daughter. I said, well, I think we'll live with that, but that's as far as we go. And then about two years, my wife came to me and said, Jill and I met with Pastor, and he took us to the scriptures, and we want to be baptized. And I was confused. I was like, well, you're Catholic. You were baptized when you were a baby. But to support them, I went to affirmation. And as soon as it was over, I was out those doors as fast as I can go. Um, I was there to support them, but that was it. About a year after that, we put our house up for sale. And it happens to be the same neighborhood that Pastor Phil and Ronnie live in. We were there for 16 years. And like always, I would always see Pastor walk up and down, and he would smile and wave, and he'd want to share Jesus most of the time. And I would accept some of it a little bit of the time, but... Most of the time, I'd move them down the driveway, and on we go. One day, we put our house up for sale, and here he comes up the driveway. He sees the sign, 
He said, hey, buddy, looks like you're leaving. And I don't know what happened to me, but all of a sudden I said, hey, pastor, come on in. I'll show you around. Next thing I know, he runs up the driveway, drops his shoes, jumps out like an antelope, and he's in the house. And then I realize it's game on. So pastor tells me that, um, you know, before you leave, I'd like to invite you to men's Bible study. I said, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm busy. I've got my own business. We're selling a house, We're trying to buy a house. We manage a farm on the side. I just don't have time. He said, no problem, sugar. We've got tons of days here, different times. You can pick one. And then before I could answer, my wife says, that's not a problem. He's open all next week. So I attended my first Bible study, and it was very moving. There was a gentleman there that shared a story about his family. It was very touching. So I decided to show up the second week. And then the third week, I invited a friend, Andy Fleming. I said, you need to come listen to this guy. It's a good message, and don't be offended. He'll call you sugar, but it's, it's going to be okay. And on May 8th, I repented. I gave my life to Jesus, my personal Savior. And I want to read something to you that pastor wrote in my Bible on the day that we went through the scriptures at my house. And this is what he wrote. At 3.16 p.m. on May 8, 2012, I repented and trusted Jesus Christ to be my personal Lord and Savior. The Word of God is my new authority as I learned to walk by faith. See, that day was special. As pastor was going through the scriptures, and I can tell he was close to the end, it just got chaotic. My cell phone was ringing. The landline started ringing. Somebody was at the door. Our dogs are barking, and it's just crazy. And pastor, I, I looked at him. He's flustered. He's like, buddy, do you, do you need to do something? And somehow I was calm. I just reached over, grabbed his arm, and said, you know, it's been 49 years. Go ahead and finish. And because of that day and because of going, attending Bible study, one of my favorite verses Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I'm very grateful that I was still that day. Thank you. Robin, Jill, come up here. Okay. I, I want you to see something powerful. I want you to see something powerful. Gretchen, you come up here. You just come up here, and Gretchen, you stand over there. You, you stand over here about 10 feet. Now, see... What he didn't, he, he acts like he's a real sweet pea, doesn't he? <laughs> Let me tell you, there were days he wanted to deck me. He's not a sweet pea. When he was lost, he was lost. And there was great trouble and conflict at first when they came and they had received Christ. And, and I want you to know, for years when Robin, we lived five houses apart, when Robin would see me coming and she'd be walking this baby, She'd turn around and run the other way. And I'd just pray, Father, I thank you. They can run from me, but they can't run from you. And, and just keep loving and keep loving and keep loving. And Robin came to Christ and Jill came to Christ. And then at first, Mike, he wasn't happy. And, what do we, and Robin came in tears. What do I do? And I said, just be kind, be sweet, be quiet. Don't fight this. This is God's battle. See, we can't save anyone. Robin was quiet, and finally Mike said, okay, you can. I mean, this is a process. Someone at first service said, Pastor, don't let that slip. This is a 16-year process. See, we give up on people. We give up on ourselves. This is 16 years. 
And by the way, over here when first, when it won't go Catholic, we'll go to St. John's. And over here, Robin is a friend. That's why I have Miss Gretchen over here. Because Miss Gretchen, what do we do when we have family members that need Christ? We pray for them. And we start praying. And then Mike, he invited his friend, okay, Andy, you come on up here, invited Andy, who had been looking for a men's Bible study. And so Andy, actually a Christian brother, here's a lost guy inviting a Christian brother to Bible study. And Andy's loving it. Andy's loving it. And he's saying, man, is this good? Is this good? And by the way, now we pick up the story because I'm giving glory to God today. We're going to see we to give glory and honor to God forever and ever. Now, how has Jesus coming into your husband's life changed your marriage? Our, our whole marriage has changed completely. And um, my own walk with Jesus has changed completely. And... Uh, we are running the bases together, and we are living victoriously, uh, just learning to live out our faith one day at a time. And uh, being at this church has taught us how to do that, how to submit our lives every day to Jesus. And uh, we don't look back. We don't focus on what was in the past. Um, our marriage <clears throat> is is so different now, and we parent our children different, and uh, I am so grateful for my friends, the Flemings, because um, they had been praying for Mike, and there was a time when I didn't believe that my husband would ever go to Bible study or give his life to Christ, and I don't focus on that now because <clears throat> God showed me that we should never suffer from disbelief. He's in control, and he showed me that. And my own personal walk with the Lord has changed. I get on my knees every day, and I never forget to thank him for the salvation of my husband and myself. Amen. 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 And Jill, Jill's a senior in high school. What does it mean to know that your daddy and mama pray together and love each other in Jesus now? Um, it's really amazing to have parents that are Christians and, I mean, even the other day when my, I fell into my sinful nature, um, and my dad, you know, was getting on me about that. And, you know, it just, you know, wasn't, wasn't, you know, good. I wasn't, you know, really feeling it. And then at the end of it, he told me he loved me. And um, that just, that was amazing. It's really good to hear that. Um, Having parents that are Christians, it's a really good model for me. Um, so I know what to look for in a husband. Um, because children, well, daughters, normally look to their dad for when they're going to go look for a husband. And um, I have some really, really high standards. So. <laughs> Amen. 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 Okay. Now, next, next week, this lady is going to be casting a vision with Stephanie about having this summer five-week ladies outreach Bible study. This is what it's all about. So you be praying. We're, we're giving you a, 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 physical, you know, a physical vision of what we're going to cast next week. But praise the Lord. This is going to multiply. 
And, and we're going to tell you even about a Billy Graham effort that's coming that millions of people, that we're going to be doing this in hundreds of places next week. We're going to tell you about that. So praise the Lord for answered prayer. Now wait, do you think the story's over? No. Hey, Mr. Tom, Mr. Tom, come up here. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. Promise. Promise. They just got to see this story. So anyway, Miss, Miss Gretchen, praise the Lord for Miss Gretchen, says, Husband, you need to invite Tom, a friend, to Bible study. And Tom comes to Bible study a couple of times. And I just want you to know, this is how powerful it is. If you start seeing the fills, and so Mr. Tom comes to Bible study a few weeks, and we're writing out our story. And I said, Mr. Tom, we ought to get together and just see where the story is. Well, when I first met with Tom, he says, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Why? Because he grew up in church. But to say you're a Christian and not have your life changed when we got through, I said, how much of this did you understand before tonight? None of it. Well, now what do you want to do? Well, we need to go in there and give our life to Christ. So here's another new babe in Christ. And it's all because, all because Miss Gretchen said to this man, you need to invite him to Bible study. See what happens when you say to someone, you ought to do something. Amen? Amen. You guys can be seated. Now, write this down in your bulletin. Write this down in your bulletin. God is for me. God is for me. God is for me. Because if you don't know that, you will ever be defeated in struggle. Now, other day when Mike was sharing his testimony, and I know we only have 17 minutes, but do yours in two. Brad said, hey, i got to say something. I got to say something. And after he said it, I said, you got to say something. So try to do it in two minutes, buddy. Minutes. All right. Well, as, as, as Mike shared his testimony Wednesday, after he was finished, I said to Pastor Phil, I said, the, the miracle of what God's doing is, in his life is he didn't share in his testimony. It's in his sense. It's when he got off of his knees and he, he said, now what? I'm in. I have to get healthy. And Mike, in obedience, immediately asked Pastor, what do I do? What does it look like? And Mike went to a, a men's group, and he started to get into the Word of God. And it's the Word of God that transforms us. It's what brings us from darkness into light. And so many of us as Christians do not prepare ourselves for the battle that we're in. We don't allow God to supernaturally transform our mind. We just show up, and we listen to a powerful sermon, but we go about living our lives, and we get our tails kicked because we still have that sinful nature. We live in a lost and fallen world, and we have a devil that's out to steal and destroy our lives. And so we haven't done our part to where we equip ourselves to live in victory. And in that process, it looks something like studying God's Word. Getting into a Bible study, surrounding yourself with other like-minded people that will share their story with you. It's holy ground on Wednesday when we're sharing our testimonies. And there is, there is so much healing that gets done in our lives as we express verbally our past and our brokenness. And it takes it out of Satan's hands and, and it gives it into control of us. And he no longer uses it to accuse us. He uses it as a means to minister to the others around you. I so encouraged Mike to give a story, not for Mike, but for all of us who needed to hear that story and to be encouraged by that story. And so that's what I want to encourage all of you today. Nail it down. If you're not in a men's group, if you're not doing your part, God wants you to meet him 
in his word so he can transform your life and give you the means to live in the victory that pastor talks about. And over and over in the word of God, are you all in 1 Timothy? I'm going to show you what's so powerful when you get in the word. And by the way, why the devil does not want you, men and women and, and students, to be in the word of God. See, the devil, once you get saved, he just wants you to live a defeated, saved life. He wants you to live a discouraged life. He wants you to keep falling to sin. He wants you overwhelmed by life. He wants you to stay angry over all the hurts in your life. He wants you to stay separated in your relationships. And he knows if you ever get in the Word of God, you're going to find out God's for you. See, when Paul said, if God is for me, he had found out that. So he didn't live his life based on persecution, imprisonment, and beatings. He lived his life according to God's for me. And every week as we study God's Word, we see some other ways God's for me. God's for me. When you go out today and you say, what was that message about? It's about God's for you. Now we've just got a few minutes to look at seven ways in these verses 12 to 17 in 1 Timothy. Let me read the passage and get your ink pens ready. We'll make some notes in your margins. I hope you have your Bibles. If you're visiting with us today and didn't bring your Bible, get your Bible or I'll give you a Bible. We study the Word every Sunday. It starts out here in Paul's writing to his son in the faith, a young pastor, and he's wanting this young pastor to know God's for you because there's going to be a lot of things against you. And he starts out in verse 12. I thank him who has given me an underline its strength. And just right above that, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. That's where Paul says, His strength is made perfect in my weakness. See, if you're here today and saying, Man, I just can't live the Christian life. I have this secret addiction I fail. Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. I'm the weakest of the weakest, but I've learned when I humble myself in my weakness, God becomes strong in my life. And notice it goes on to say, He has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful. Now think of that. When you fail, what do you feel? Shame and condemnation. And you feel faithless. Someone said this week, Pastor, our marriage is not going to make it. I said, yes, it is. Oh, Pastor, you have no idea. Our marriage is not going to make it. I said, I promise you. First of all, you can't change your wife. But if you will allow God submit to His authority, start walking in the Holy Spirit, when your wife's ugly to you, don't react as she reacts. You react to her as God reacts to you. You be patient. That's long-suffering. You be kind. You don't treat her as she treats you. You treat her as you know she needs to be treated and as God wants you to treat her. You forgive. You serve. You just watch how God will work through your life. And you heard and you just saw how God worked through Robin's life. When Mike wanted to argue, when Mike wanted to get mad, when Mike and Robin said, what do I do? I said, be quiet. Don't fight it. This is God's fight. First Peter, you just be a kind, submissive wife. You serve Him. You love Him. You pray. Get everyone you know praying that God would open the eyes of His heart. And it's a mystery. But you see how it's done. And you just submit your life. Well, see, Paul says, I have gone from being faithless to faithful. 
Read on there. Appointing me to his service. You know what the devil wants to do in every one of our lives when we fail big time? He wants to tell us that we can never be used greatly by God. And, and I want to just read on here. Look at who this man Paul was. He was Saul of Tarsus. He was formerly, verse 13, a blasphemer. Now what's blasphemy? That's where he denied that Jesus was God. Remember, he was a Pharisee. In fact, he was out to kill everyone that followed Jesus. He had people murdered. He had people in prison. He had people beat. That's what the persecutor means. And see that word insolent, opponent? Most of us don't use that word insolent. In fact, I even had to look it up in the dictionary because it's not in my vocabulary. You know what insolent is? It is the most arrogant, disagreeable, ugly personality and dissentiousness possible. You know, we can all disagree to something and we can just be quiet about it. We can be mad and ticked off inside, but just be quiet inside. But this guy was just breathing murder and hatred and arrogance. Remember in Philippians, he says, I was the chief of Pharisees, and I even thought I was faultless. I mean, he was a bad dude. And Paul says, that was me. But read on. What did he receive? Oh, this is the glorious good news of the gospel. He received mercy. Now, write in your margin by mercy the word kindness. That's what mercy is. Mercy gives you what you need, not what you deserve. You know you're being godly when someone is horrible to you and you give them mercy. That is, you give them kindness. That's what God gives all of us. See, Paul says, because I had acted ignorantly. See, he truly did not believe that Jesus was the Christ because Jesus didn't fit his expectations. He thought the Messiah was to overcome the oppression of the Roman government. He didn't know that Jesus was coming to set up the kingdom of God in the hearts of man. What's the difference, parents, between ignorance and stupidity? Ignorance is your children do not know better. They just don't know. Stupidity is when you've instructed them and they know better, but they willfully disobey. And Proverbs 12 says, Stupid is the young person that does not have discipline and wisdom in their life. And you know why the person's stupid that does not have wisdom or discipline in their life? Because they will keep on doing the same thing that makes their life miserable. Children, that's just for you. How many of you enjoy getting corrected by mom and dad? You say, I hate it. Well, God says you're stupid if you don't listen to the instruction and start obeying so you don't get in more trouble. Isn't that a aha? Uh -huh? My dad, I lived in the 50s and 60s. He'd come in the room and I would aggravate my little brothers. And they had told me over and over not to aggravate my little brothers. 
But my sinful flesh just enjoyed having power over them. And my dad would suddenly appear when he would hear them cry. And my dad always asked, I wonder, why is he asking this question? He says, Philip, as he pulls his belt off to give me a whipping, are you sorry that you've done this? And with great tears, I would say, yes, daddy, yes, daddy, I'm sorry. I would get my discipline, he would leave, and my flesh would say, buddy, I'll get you even worse. I wasn't sorry at all. I had not learned anything. That's being stupid. And finally, one day, as God worked in my heart, I said, there's got to be a better way than this. Treat your brothers with kindness. Treat your brothers with encouragement. And guess what? I became a wise young boy instead of a stupid young boy. And I stopped getting whippings. And it was good. It's amazing how we have trouble with one plus one is two. Amen? Apply that in your life. Keep going. See, Paul acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord, isn't that good? Whether we're ignorant or stupid, God's grace keeps on going. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. That means it overflowed all of my ignorance. It overflowed all of my sin. It overflowed all of my unbelief. And what did it do? It gave me a faith and a love that are in Christ Jesus. That is, a faith is now I'm under His authority. And now He's changed my life. See, love is patient. Love is kind. It's Christ-like character. And the saying is trustworthy and deserving of all of full acceptance. And say it with me. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am. Now, if you have NIV, it says the worst. King James says the worst. That's good news for all of us, right? No matter where you think you are in your sin level, Paul would say, I'm worse. Now, here's the key. How many of you today, if I ask you, who thinks they're the worst sinner in the room? Who would raise their hand? We had the same response in the first service. Only about 20 or 30 held their hand up. See, until you see your sin in light of the holiness of God and not your sin in light of anyone else, you won't have the grace of God change your life. Because remember, God opposes the, but gives grace to the humble. Every hand should have gone straight up. Until you see your sin in light of the holiness of God, rather than the sin compared to anyone else, you'll never be changed. If you say, well, pastor, I, I've never murdered, I've never smoked, I've never drunk, I've never uh, been in pornography, I've never been immoral, I've never, never this. If you've not seen yourself in light of the holiness of God, you've never had, like Isaiah said, woe is me, I am undone. But see, when we do that, here's the good news. Look at verse 16. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, as the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience 
And again, I love the word NIV uses, unlimited patience, as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. And then look at the product. Look at the fruit of when God accomplishes his work in us. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the holy, only God, be honor and glory forever and what? Ever and what? Ever and ever and ever. That's an emphasis. See, write it in. Write it in. We'll go fast. Every one of you should know today that God is for you. And here are just seven ways He's for you. Number one, you can be encouraged. God wants you to win because God can be your strength. No matter how weak you are, God wants you to know if you'll just humble yourself, He'll be your strength. Number two, God can make you faithful. It's horribly futile and frustrating to keep failing in the Christian life when you call yourself a Christian. But you just need to work the dynamics here. Get in the Word. Get equipped. Learn to walk by the Spirit. Have a surrounding group of encouragers in your life. See, Robin, I want you to know at times Mike will say, you know, I blew it. I was impatient with Robin. And I'll say, good, go home and apologize and get on your knees and pray with her. And he laughs. And see, he's a new baby. He hadn't lived in the church for years and hardened his heart. So when he hears that, he just thinks, well, that makes sense. I'll go home and I'll say, I'll be calling Robin by lunchtime to see if you talk to her. Now, some of you say, well, that's why I don't come to a group. You know what that accountability does? He goes home and God is transforming their lives. We all need that. See, God wants to make us faithful instead of faithless. And write in number three, I don't care what your sin is, what your heartache is, God can change you because He is God. Number four, how can we all be changed? Because God gives us mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we need. His kindness. His kindness is His mercy. Christ died for us. Number five, see, God gives us grace so we can overflow with faith, that's living under His authority, and His character, that's love. And number six, God has already done it for the worst, so He can do it for each of us. And the good news, no matter how many times we slip and stumble, God is perfectly patient with each of us. And oh, when you win... God receives honor and glory forever and ever and ever and ever. How many of you believe this message for your life today? Not all of us. And you know why? Because the devil's a dirty, dirty dog. I told you he is. He will lie to you and he'll say, you may say this, Pastor, but you don't know my hurt. You don't know my sin. You don't know my past. You don't know my struggle. Let me tell you, God does, and he's the one that tells you all these good truths. I finished with this story. Several years ago, I was asked to go down to Potosi to teach the Word of God one week before Christmas to 17 men that were on death row. Every one of these men were murderers, and every one of these men were sent to Potosi because that's where they execute them. 
And I was really scared about it because I knew it. They said, I said, will I have any guards with me? And they said, no, it would be just you and them. If you want to bring someone with you, you can do that. But it would just be you and them. So I brought one man with me. And he happened to be 65 or 70. So if we got in a fight, he was worthless there. But he was just a sweet brother that loved Jesus. And I thought, maybe they'll take him first and I can run out. No, not really. <laughs> you know, the lions always get the weakest one, right? So I'd run out quick and they'd eat him up. But we went. And praise the Lord, I was having them take me on a tour of the place and just walking across the, the big yard, you know, prisons like that have a big football field. And there was a guy out in the yard, and as soon as I was there, he was this guy, Johnny. He's about a 300-pound, big African-American guy. And, and he, he killed a guy years ago just in a bar by just reaching over and grabbing this guy and broke his neck. But he came to Jesus because he had a mama that never stopped praying for him. And, I mean, he came to Jesus, and in prison, you got plenty of time to study the Word. So all these years, for 20 years, he spent time, six, seven hours a day, studying the Word of God. He knows it better than any preacher I've ever met. And I met him in Jeff City, but they transferred him because he's in there for life because uh, he's such a good model. And, I mean, he's a controller. And uh, so we're, we're dear brothers, and I see him, and I yell, Johnny, is that you? Yeah. Brother Phil, is that you? Yeah. Are you coming to the thing I'm doing tonight? Yeah, I heard you here. I'll be there. So I took encouragement that I saw Johnny sitting in the back because he'd always say, Pastor, I got your back. I got your back. If anyone comes at you, don't worry. There'll be a big black hand right on the back of their neck. You're okay. And uh, so we started, and as soon as I started, this guy with real long hair, I mean, just ugly, started yelling and screaming and cursing at me. And normally in prison, it's, it's a written, unwritten law that you never confess your crime just publicly. Now, you may tell your buddies, but you never confess it public. There, there's something in their pride. They, don't, they just think they're all in there because they miss Sunday school, you know. And, and so, all of a sudden, this guy just vomits out that nothing can help him. Because I started and I said, I've come to tell you how the one Lord God who sent his son at Christmas can change your life tonight. And he just starts screaming at me. I mean, I'm scared to death. You know when you're really scared... You can feel the sweat drop from here and hit you at your waist. It doesn't slide down your body. It's like running. I mean, I'm scared. I'm thinking, this guy's going to come after me. So I'm praying, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do you do when someone seems hopeless? You take them to the Father. And the Father just said, go to him and pray for him. So I went over to him. Let's just imagine Bob's that screaming, freaking guy. And I said, here, I want to pray for you. And he looked at me like I was crazy. But I said, I want to pray for you. Well, now in prison, you never, you're taught, you don't shut your eyes. Because if one comes at you, you know, you at least need to know he's coming at you. And so you pray. And I started praying. The Father said, lift me up. Lift me up. Lift me up. So I just said, Father, I praise you. You're almighty God. And I don't know what this brother, actually he had told us, he had shot with a shotgun his, hus his wife that he'd found in bed with Another man, so he went and got a shotgun and killed them both. And that's why he was in there for death row. I said, God, I thank you. you. You are the God that not only sent Jesus to forgive every sin, but, Lord, you sent your Holy Spirit to be our healer. You're the God of all comfort. God, you're the deliverer. And, God, you're the faithful one when we're faithless. And I just went down through that A to Z list. I mean, I was lifting up the Father. And in about 40 or 50 seconds, I just feel the Holy Spirit like a rush wind, like Acts 2, it starts coming across that room. 
And all of a sudden, uh, I had six or seven brothers in there that had come to Christ. And you could just feel from tense to the power of the love of God come. And they started praying with me and praising God. And all of a sudden, I saw a beautiful sight. The tears of that man started hitting my hands. And I knew the God of love and goodness and grace and mercy and faithfulness was getting on that man. And I got through and I said, we're going to have church tonight. And everybody's clapping and it's turned from a tense thing. This guy, all of a sudden, he hadn't got saved yet. He did get saved. But the countenance of God started coming down. And you know what the countenance of God is? It's hope. God's the God of all hope. And I went back and I started preaching. About two and a half hours. They told me I had three hours. Death row guys, you know, aren't going anywhere. And, and so finally, about two and a half hours, the guy comes in. The guard. He says, sir, you need to close this down. I said, well, we want to pray together. We've had a sweet time. Why don't you come in and join us? He said, that's all right. I'll be back. See, he still saw these guys as death row guys. He didn't see them that Jesus can change anyone, can forgive every sin, can comfort every heartache, that can complete every life. I want you to know today, if you don't think that your situation can be redeemed by God, it's because you're not reading God's mail, you're reading the devil's mail. God's mail is the Word of God. You know what the world out there is waiting for? They're waiting for someone like Gretchen to say, I'll come by your side and we'll pray for the husband. Well, he'll never get saved because you don't know how mean he is and loses his temper. That's all right, we'll pray. And, and see, you guys can't even imagine because now you just see the countenance of Jesus on Mike. You see this sweet man in Jesus and you say, he wasn't that bad. Let me tell you, he was that bad. He wanted to deck me one day. He was bad. You know why? Because our sinful nature is bad. But the grace of God is good. Let's pray. If you came today, and praise God you came, the Spirit of God brought you to come, but He didn't bring you to come and leave the same way. Guys, you got to see that God's for you. Everything going in your life that you say, God couldn't change this. He's the one almighty God. God is for you. He's for you. You say, well, pastor, if he's for me, why am I having all these troubles? Number one, you live in a fallen world. Jesus said, John 16, this world's going to be filled with troubles. But do not fear, I have overcome. He wants you to learn in his strength to be an overcomer. But you'll never be an overcomer till you surrender to his authority. See, God does not bless rebels. You say, well, Pastor Phil, I'm embarrassed. I've called myself a Christian for years, but I've never been in a Bible study. I don't even know the Word of God. Let me tell you, when you come to these Bible study men or women or Zoe, there is never a spirit of condemnation. There's never a spirit of you don't know that. 
There's the Spirit of God there, and it's called love, and it's called grace, and it's called mercy, and it's called encouragement. I tell guys when they don't know where to turn the Bible, set by me. And no one will even know it. When we're turning the scriptures, I just reach over with my left to right hand. Sometimes I have a man on each side, and I just turn in the area where they can grab him. And you learn. God's the God of new beginnings, and he wants this to be a new beginning in your life. Every person. Right now, I wish I could be sitting, but each one of you personally, this message is not for y'all. It's not for the crowd. It's for you. God loves you, and he's for you. If you're in Christ, you've got to get in the Word every day by yourself. If you don't know how to do that, get in a group Bible study and you'll learn how to do that. If you don't know Christ today, don't leave this place without coming to me or going to another person that you know that knows the Word. If you're visiting, today we have some visitors. Just come to me. I'll be standing out here in the foyer and just say, Pastor, I need you to take me through the Word like Mike was talking about. I don't know anything about it. And you'll love it. Just like Tom. He didn't have a clue what it was about. But the Lord changed his life. Father, I just thank you for your grace and goodness and working in our lives today. Oh, Father, I thank you for the plans you have, the purposes for every person. Some of us may have never been in church before and some of us have been in church all our life. But we just know our life hadn't been changed. We live discouraged, defeated, up and down lives. And we know we've never been in your word. Some of us that have been in this church for years have never been in a men's or women's Bible study. Oh God, let this be the first day. Where they just purpose in their heart, just like men in first service said, Pastor, I'm going to get back in a Bible study. I'm going to get in a Bible study, Pastor. You're right. I said, I'm not right. God's right. I'm just the message boy. Oh, Father, thank you for your working in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.